weekends are a good time to escape with podcasts. Unless the weekend begins with the Untitled Beatles podcast. Because the White Album is a terrifying Beatles album. And this deep dish goes deeper than any deep dish has gone before. Untitled Beatles Podcast, White Album Deep Dish, Part 3, in 3D. Starring Tony Mendoza. Side 2, almost my least favorite side of my favorite Beatles album. TJ Shanoff. Why don't you wash your mouth, young man? Producer KC. Gentlemen, this is a classy venture. Clean it up. And fact-checking robot P3Z Nuts. I went to Beetle Fest and purchased all the expired meat used on the butcher cover. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Side 2. Almost my least favorite side. Almost my least favorite side of my Why favorite Beatles. Why don't you wash album. your mouth, young man? <laughs> wash your mouth out, you silly boy. <laughs> Please wash your mouth. <laughs> Martha, my dear, opens up side two. This is Paul. Kind of about, it's named after his sheepdog, Martha, his first ever pet. I guess he couldn't have uh, pets growing up, so he felt like he was in a time in his life where he could get a pet. Martha, my dear, though I spend my days in conversation, please remember me, Martha, my love, don't forget me. You know, later he had a bird. And you know what song it inspired him to write? I don't. Cock a two of us. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Uh, trivia, TJ. Trivia, TJ. Yeah. Paul McCartney liked sheepdogs because... Of uh, television commercials for Dulux Paint, whose mascot was a sheepdog. And if that wasn't all, Dulux introduced their now famous Old English sheepdog for the first time with the phrase, Dulux is a home's best friend. On the fashion front, 1964 saw winkle picker shoes for men and beehive hairdos for women give way to the mod look. Simultaneously, we also had the Beatles. Oh, now that's inside information. Is that an Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive? <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. It's from Paul's lyrics book, but let's call it an exclusive. Why not? Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. Take a big whiff. I love this song. I love this. This one's got like bass as lead guitar. It opens with a great piano riff. It's uh, the song's a stunner. The brass orchestration in this thing, the time signature changes. That it the 
it's one of those Paul moments where the percussion changes a little bit throughout because the time signature is changing. What the downbeat is seems malleable. Mm. I love this song. I have loved this song forever. It is a top track for me. This is like crisp Beatles pop. To me, this song could slash should, doesn't matter, could have been on Abbey Road. It sounds like it could be an Abbey Road song to me. It totally does. Yeah. Maybe instead of Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> For <truth>. real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But as, you know, things went how they went and that's how it went. No John on this song. Paul on piano, George on the Epiphone Casino, and Ringo on drums. It's like reverse threedles. <laughs> it is because then threedles. the version I have of this, they overdubbed John doing a track he recorded in the seventies <laughs> <laughs> over this. Will John said his relationship with Martha, his sheepdog, was platonic, believe me. Uh, some have speculated it's also about Jane Asher. They don't matter. In the lyrics book, it says it's also about an affair that a relative and his family was having. Quote, I'm the only person who knew the song was about someone having an affair. And that gives a line like, when you find yourself in the thick of it, an added layer of poignancy. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, when Paul bailed on Alan thick on thick of the night, Paul was supposed to come save the show. And listen, Paul found himself in the thick of it. This one, too, was recorded at Trident Studios. It says in one take. So that either means, you know, they just kept erasing their takes or they just did it in one take. I don't know. Rehearsed the shit out of it and then got it in the one. But it's so sprightly, Paul. I don't think he rewrote this one a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This one doesn't feel overdone. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. It started as a piano exercise and then he was able to turn a, an exercise into like a really well-crafted slick pop tune. Those who owned and loved the original Broadway cast album of Beatlemania are aware that in the fall stop of Lady Madonna, Mitch Weissman, is it Mitch Weissman? Yes, Mitch Weissman plays the riff of this on piano. Oh, yes, I do remember that. One, two, three, three. Oh, my problem. Would you uh, move your bass muffle mic in a bit? All right. Okay, here we go. I totally forgot about that. And says to somebody, put that dog on a put that dog on a leash. And it makes me wonder, is he mocking a really ugly person in the audience? It's like, who says that in any context? Unless there's literally a dog. Yeah. You know, and it was that time. People just were open about it. Hey, you're ugly. Is that your wife, sir? Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this. What was it, a train? Don't get 
shit you couldn't. When I took her home, my mother put newspapers on the floor. Oh. I mean, ugly. I gave her a hickey. I got fur in my mouth. Are you... I know you said this may be in contention for your least favorite side. It sure starts off with two of my favorite songs on the White Album. Mm. This into I'm So Tired. The way this is sung, recorded. I mean, I'm also a big I'm Only Sleeping fan. Yeah. And this does feel both in tone and in context and as a as a mood piece somewhat similar to that. And I just love it's aggressive and sleepy at the same time. I think it's one of John's very best. It is. Yeah, it's a good song. I've always liked this song. It turns out, yeah, when they were in Rishikesh in India, John's TM routine made it hard for him to sleep at night. So this is where that song came from. I'm so Walter Raleigh, he introduced tobacco to the UK circa 1586. And so he calls him a, a get or a such a stupid git. A git, as it's pronounced up north. A git, TJ, is an unpleasant, silly, incompetent person. It falls between twit and twat. And of course, twit, git, and twat are the British Rice Krispies characters. <laughs> As you may well know. Kellogg's Rice Krispies, the talking part of this complete breakfast. Mmm, great show, guys. Rice Krispies is always music to your ears. Check this out, man. So, you know, at the end, there's been a lot of speculation at the end of the song what John's whispering. And uh, there is, like, some take you can hear where he's been, he whispers throughout the whole song in little breaks. He'll say, like, little, like, little, little mumbly things. Yeah. I guess it's determined at the end. He says, Monsieur, Monsieur, how about another one? Something like that. When you play it backwards, man, it really does sound like Paul is dead now. Miss him. Miss him. Miss him. Miss him. It's weird. It's really weird. I don't buy into any of that stuff. I'm just saying it's pretty wild. Well, then why was their next major album named QB Road? <laughs> and in the end, 5G stops my mind. White Album has all these little great songs buried here. Has I'm So Tired been on any compilation ever? No. I mean, maybe the sleepy one. It's like, good night. I'm only sleeping. I'm so tired. Beatles sleepy songs. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Spotify's got some sleepy bedtime with the Beatles playlist, you know. Why is she sleeping home on here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bye, bye. Well, uh, it's a classic. Paul's Blackbird. Again, this is another one. It's just Paul. Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly 
all your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise That's him tapping. I think way back when Lewison said uh, that that was a metronome, but we have videos, film proof that, uh, yeah, Paul's tapping his very stylish shoes to get the uh, the meter going there. Yeah, it's a very original song structure. He said the melody was inspired by a Bach piece. Is that how you say that? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, which Prince later covered as Raspberry Boo Ray. <laughs> this is a lot of people's favorite, like, important Beatles song. This is one of those songs that's it's an important Beatles song. And so I think sometimes I'm a little bit like, ah, it's a, maybe it's a little heavy-handed and on the nose. It's a good message. Paul's doing a civil rights song. He's flat out doing a civil rights song. Please help me with this. Let mm. the listeners help me with this, too. Yeah. Before the Barry Miles book, was there ever any, and which I think was 95, 96? Many Years From Now by Barry Miles was published in 1997 by Sacker and Warburg. Suck on that, Potsy. Was there ever any talk of this being a civil rights song in the 30 years? I don't remember hearing. Uh, yeah, when I was reading all those books that were around in the '80s and stuff, uh, I don't remember. You know, I, I personally don't remember hearing that. I, I don't either, and I'm not accusing Paul of anything. Although he's gotten a few stories backwards, like when he proudly said he's never done Sergeant Pepper live, and of course <laughs> did it throughout the '89 and '90 tour live, and he's like, "Here's one we've never done." Like, yeah. In fairness, it's been 12 years, Paul, but come on. I'm, I'm not accusing Paul of lying, but I do think it's interesting that that feels like a more modern spin. I trust Paul. I know he's always been a civil rights advocate, so I don't think he didn't do it. It's just weird that a lot of people who love the Beatles and have read a lot of Beatles stuff, I don't think ever knew that fact till, you know, the Bulls' second three-peat. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, how most people measure things. Late 90s. By three-peats. <laughs> Sorry. Let me uh, say it in Tony parlance. When the gin blossoms was big. <laughs> you know me, big, big blossoms fan. <laughs> I, was a blo- I was a blossom head. I was a bloom- bloomer, they call it. The fans were bloomers. I was too, but was told to stay away from Mayim Bialik. Whoa! <laughs> Don't know about- well, the lyrics, uh, according to Paul, uh, they have a black American woman in mind. You know, he couldn't say, like, Blackbird living in Little Rock or whatever. Originally, I had in mind a black woman during the civil rights um, time when people were, were uh, you know, being excluded. Back of the bus, people couldn't go in hotels. Black people in America particularly couldn't go uh, in South Africa. Uh, didn't have access to it, the places that white people had. So for me, it was a kind of, there was a civil rights aspect, you know, and I used the black bird as a kind of symbol of uh, a black woman in the South. Um, and you were only waiting for this moment to arise. You know, you're finally getting your rights. So it was kind of symbolic of that. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. 
You were only waiting for this moment to arrive. And here begins the animal stories of the White Album. All the animal songs are grouped together. Yeah, I do tire of this a little bit, too. Uh, the, the next two songs I don't really need. Yeah. <laughs> Kick them off. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Piggies. This was in my bottom five when we did our Beetle Bottoms or whatever. Piggies. Yeah. I forget where it fell, but it's, it is uh, one of my least favorites. Produced by Chris Thomas. Uh, the harpsichord was actually sitting there in Studio One awaiting a session for Jacqueline Dupre, who we saw in Mary McCartney's If These Walls yes. Could Sing. Yeah. That's why that's why there was a harpsichord there. Had had it not been for that session, it would have a different sound. Starched white sheds. You will find the bigger piggies stirring up the dirt. Always have clean sheds to play around with. Uh, kind of an eat the rich social commentary. I like the message of this song. I, it's just the execution of it. Um, I get why it's on the album. I would have definitely preferred Not Guilty to this song. They didn't get enough takes of that in, Tony. <laughs> couldn't work on it enough. <laughs> yeah. It should be noted that there's a, there's a different mix on the Peter Sellers tape of Not Guilty that sounds a little more rockin'. It's a little more of a raw mix. It's kind of cool. I'm really sorry that you beat the sled, but you heard me say You don't love the easy listening uh, <laughs> self-titled George Harrison yeah. one, do you? Yeah, it's different. It's different. It's very, uh, was that 82? No, That's 79. 79. 79, right. I was thinking of the other cover he did, Circles. I was thinking of Circles. Yeah, Circles is 82. And also another cover. There, we we just deep dish gone trapo for you. Long live George Harrison. <laughs> there we go, LGH. We did it. I'm a fabulous, fabulous vegetarian. One more, one more time. Not for that far back. George Martin scored the song. It's the same musicians who scored Glass Onions, so it has that vibe. Uh, and this is produced by Chris Thomas, the song itself. Because I knew George Martin did the score for this, I always honestly assumed that he played the harpsichord on this. I thought he did like an In My Life type of thing where he half-speeded it. Chris Thomas did that, but I thought it was George Martin. It's not. Yeah, that's Chris Thomas. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, Chris Thomas was uncredited as a producer, but he was there for a good three weeks and he was uh, producing yeah a lot of these songs man a lot of these songs
Yes, then there's Rocky Raccoon. To me, it's, yeah, this is like, you know, it's a pastiche. It's like Wild West saloon ballads. Now, somewhere in the black mining hills of Dakota, there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. Uh, and one day, his woman ran off with another guy. Hit young Rocky in the eye. Rocky didn't like that. He said, I'm going to get that boy. So one day he walked into town, booked himself a room in the local saloon. Rocky Raccoon checked into his room only to find Gideon's Bible. Wild West cultural appropriation, if you will. So after they recorded this, Paul gave a check to Uncle Pecos from the Tom and Jerry cartoon. Oh, Frog and Winnie Corton, he did ride. Crambone. Frog and Winnie Corton, he did ride. Crambone. <laughs> that, uh, I, my favorite thing is starts to think him going, he just tears into it so hard. I love Pecos Bill. Uncle Pecos. Uncle I'm thinking of Debney, the Debney Coleman cartoon. Pecos Bill. Yeah, this, uh, I've never loved this one. This, to me, is more Maxwell Silverhammer than Ubla mm. Diabla I think the song doesn't end. I like the anthology take where he says, Smeaking of gin, then yeah. laughs about it and starts to break. That, that's pretty sweet. The doctor walked in. Smeaking of gin. <laughs> Smeaking? But yeah, like, you know, of the Paul Story Silly songs, give me Teddy Boy over Rocky Raccoon. Wow. 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 Well, let me think. I have to think about that. I like George Martin's piano in this. The piano stuff is great. Um, you know, I'm also, maybe I'm the asshole. I like the long version of ballroom dancing from Broad Street. So don't <laughs> pay attention to what, to what I have to say. Yeah. The original title was Rocky Sassoon. Vidal's wayward cousin, I guess. Gore. <laughs> Albert, Albert Gore Vidal Sassoon. I took the initiative and creating the internet. Right. And so in Paul's lyrics book, he mentioned uh, he crashed his moped in Liverpool. This is around 66, busted his lip and a doctor was called to his cousin Betty's house who was nearby. And when the doctor arrived, he was stinking of gin and he gave Paul some really dodgy stitches without anesthetic. And it was kind of a bad job. And so that's why Paul grew that mustache to cover up the handiwork and that was 66, and that's when they all grew the mustaches. And then there you go, Sergeant Pepper. So thank you, inebriated doctor. Yeah. I'll, I'll take inebriated doctor for a thousand. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Romano, have you been drinking? You questioning my surgical fitness? How many drinks have you had? Go to hell. Dr. Romano, I'm going to have to ask you to step back, please. Sponge. What else here we got? George played bass on this. John, this is the first appearance of John's harmonica. I want to say since I'm a loser. I, I meant to fact check that, but I I think the last time a harmonica was oh, on a track was I'm a loser. Maybe. Yeah. Are you including harmonium? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not a harmonica. That's why I asked. <laughs> 
Am I including Harmony Corrine, the f- filmmaker? Oh, yeah. Are you? No. Okay. That one, there was some question. <laughs> You're half wrong. John plays harmonica on All Together Now, recorded in 1967, but not released until 1969. Oh, dude. In take four, Paul sang the doctor rolled up his sleeves and Rocky said, Doc, let's have none of your cock. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that, but I, I read that. I read that. Take four. So maybe maybe we can find Rocky Raccoon take four and put that in there. I don't know. So we couldn't find a clip of Rocky Raccoon take four, but we did find this version of Raquel Welch and Bob Hope singing it. It's pretty much the same thing, right? Rocky Raccoon checked into his room shoot off the legs of his rival listen to the lyrics dummy you shoot off the rival's legs where were you when i had 10 tootsies also you know ringo's drum on drew first and shot is a don't give a fuck rim shot he drew first and shot <laughs> yeah, but it was a choice. It was it was a choice to to accentuate the that lyric. Yeah, but it's a it's like a it's an unsure choice. Well, they didn't have access to the starting pistol yet that he would later use on that uh, B side. Woman don't run. Or, <laughs> woman know why or whatever. <laughs> woman know why. No woman know why the McCartney Bob Marley cover. McCartney, Marley, Mellencamp, One Night. Why, why the fuck is John Mellencamp everywhere? <laughs> Ain't that America? I'm everywhere. No. I mean, that was Wheaties. Why is John Mellencamp on the Wheaties box? Well, there's Wheaties and there's Cheerios. Okay, now it's time for, I, I labeled this my least favorite Beatles original sometime back when, I, yeah. I think it still holds up, Don't Pass Me By, it's Ringo's song, this, again, my personal taste, so you can scream at the ra- at the speakers all you want, if you if this is your number one favorite Beatles song, I'm, my apologies, we just, tomato, tomato, but if you like it, I think that's great, I wished I liked it more. I listen for your footsteps, coming up the drive. Listen for your footsteps, but they don't arrive. Waiting for you knocking on my old front door. I don't hear it. Does it mean you don't love me anymore? Don't you love a Tony moment that I love that I thought you would love is Ringo's awkward counting before the last chorus. Well, yeah, this is just it's just Paul and Ringo on this, plus Jack Fallon on the fiddle. Paul plays drums on this. Yeah. And it's a it's another kind of shambolic Paul. Those do 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 those fills are are very, very, very powerful and shambolic. (laughs) 
Ringo's on piano. The piano is mic'd through a guitar amp and a Leslie speaker. So that's why it has kind of a funny sound on it. And then that intro piece was recorded over a month after the basic track, the little tinkling intro thing. Yes. Uh, donating to the National Trust on the piano. <laughs> I tell you what, they cleaned up a little bit of the National Trust on, uh, if you listen to the Peter Sellers tape, this it, the song's even longer. Like, there's, there's even more verse on the second time around. turns into like a five minute country like again this is the showbiz pizza band doing country <laughs> music you know <laughs> howdy everybody i'm billy bob and it's time for another big birthday celebration here at showbiz pizza place now a song that i thought was an another all paul song it turns out i'm wrong why don't we do it in the road ringo's on drums actually yeah paul's doing a lot of the percussion Yes. But Ringo is playing drums. Yeah. I think he's, I mean, he's setting the tempo and he laid down all the acoustic guitar first. And some of that percussion is him banging on the acoustic guitar. Why don't we do it in the road? I guess when they're in Rishikesh and there's, there's four photographs of this in the lyrics book. <laughs> Paul saw two monkeys like publicly having sex fucking, you know, on a road in Rishikesh. Sandra, Jeff, Three. <laughs> yeah. So you can see four photos of that. <laughs> In the lyrics book. That's the reason why it's so expensive for the book. <laughs> Pornography. Well, where, you know, her, the Herman's Hermits were there for a little bit. <laughs> Herman and the Hermits. <laughs> and they, remember they had the monkeys fucking on a bunch and Rishi Cash fucking on a bench. Monkeys, but not the ones who have their own show. We don't have our own show. We're Herman and the Hermits. There's rumor that we're perverts. But all I say is have a nice day. Monkeys fucking on a bench. Really, I bet there's another group you like better now than the Beatles. Is there, there is. Which one? Herman and the Hermits. <laughs> <laughs> Love that girl. Oh, Lord. So this is the song where there's no producer. This was a song. So George right. Martin uh, was working on the score for Piggies. 
And so that's when Paul went over to Studio One and knocked this one out. And that's why the guitar has that big barn sounding reverb in it from when he's tapping on the guitar at the beginning of the song. It's a big barn bed guitar. It's a big barn. Yeah. Yo, who are you going to creep on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all that natural reverb there in that giant Studio One. So no producer on the song. Ken Townsend was the engineer, but not credited as producer. They just needed someone to hit the record button and mic it, I guess. But no one was sitting there saying, you know, EQ out the 1600 hertz or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. This is a like a song I've always enjoyed that also kind of sucks simultaneously. Not like my it's, favorite. It's not not a great Paul song. And it's it's performed enthusiastically and like I like the falsetto, but it's not it's not a not a great song. No, it's no, it's total toss off throwaway. I I def I'll take Wild Honey Pie over this any day. That said, a lot of people like this song, and I'm not gonna begrudge them that, but it, this is one of those like, well, I got to fill out the end of this mixtape and there's only a minute 19 left on it. So I can't think of anything else. I'll put this on. <laughs> yeah, it's this or the theme to Family Matters. <laughs> it's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. We're still inside two, man. And uh, this is how it is redeemed for me is the next two songs starting off with uh, I Will. One of my favorite Paul songs on this record. Who knows how long I've loved you? You know I love you still. Will I wait a lonely lifetime? If you want me to, I will. The melody, it's it once it burrows in your head. It's, it's one of those melodies that doesn't leave the And I will, and I will I want to take you for granted And I, I, yeah, this is it's one of my favorites <laughs> I mean, same caliber, same <laughs> Same caliber uh, Oh, what a great song this is you know, again, the stereo mono differences were in stereo. The bass, the, uh, his singing the bass kicks into the top. The mono kicks in for the first time. He says, I will. Uh, but it's one of the great. And what's this, Tony? Like a minute 47 or something? This is another yeah. great, beautiful. These two songs that end the side two slash disc one are two of the best. Love you He brought the tune to India and tried to collaborate with Donovan on the lyrics, but uh, they just didn't stick. Paul said it was all Moon June stuff. <laughs> Which Yoko later accused Paul of doing. Is that right? Yeah. Yoko was like, John wrote the real songs. Paul, I think Yoko said it in the context of a Mozart-Salieri comparison where John was Mozart and Paul was just doing things like rhyming June with spoon. Yeah. Well. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> See Moon. In fairness, Yoko, Poppy lived with Patty, but they never told their daddy. <laughs> I stand by that. Hot take, Yoko, but 67 takes were recorded for I Will. Uh, Paul on guitar and vocal bass. John on the Temple Blocks, also known as Skulls. Cue the Misfits. Oh, 
and that's Ringo on drums. Yeah, man. Another one produced by Chris Thomas. In the lyrics book, Paul says, This song finds me in my troubadour mode. The minstrel wandering around Sherwood Forest. That's me. <laughs> in tights. He's wearing tights in this song, TJ. Yeah, he's he was the inspiration for the Mel Brooks semi-disappointing film Men in Tights. <laughs> but I wanted it to be so much funnier than it was. And pointy shoes. I saw that in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> The dollar fifty theater, mind you, which is you know, the 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 second run. Yeah, theater. do those exist? The second, like, I'm not talking about know. art houses, but like the Village Theater right at Clark and North was a second run theater. Yeah, yeah, I saw it, a couple movies at the Village Theater, and there were always cats walking around, and the cats were there to help curb the rat problem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will. Great song. Yeah, it, it is. It is such a great little song that is also such a big song in terms of how well loved it is. And here's something interesting. In 2005, I mentioned the McCartney tour that year is most adventurous set list. He added this to the set list for that one time, Tony, but he strummed it. He didn't do any picking. The whole thing was strummed. It was also in a different key. And it was lovely to hear Paul do this, but it was very different. I'll bet. Then it was like a whole different reading than the White Album version. Everyone went great, just him alone on stage playing acoustic, but without the picking, it was just an interesting, interesting choice. Sing it loud so I can hear you. Make it easy to be near you. For the things you do endear you to me. Oh, you know I will. I will. So then side two closes uh, another top 10 favorite for me, Julia. I'll always love this song. Uh, we've gone over it on the show before because it made that my top list, but it's just one of John's most beautiful songs. I think it, it, it could be on his solo plastic ono band record. It has that yeah. feel to it where it's like, Oh, he's tapping into something here. That's, you know, as much as I love everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. And I want you She's so heavy and all the, the big stuff he could do. This is actually some of my favorite stuff Lennon could do. This, Love, Look at Me. If I Fell is one of your favorite early yeah, Beatles songs. Yeah. yeah, If I Fell, it's probably the first one of this ilk, nature. Julia, Julia, morning moon, touch me, so I sing the song of love. As far as I know, it's the only solo John Lennon Beatles song. Yes. And do you remember when they at Budokan tried this with Ringo on drums and a full band arrangement? <laughs> I always love the yesterday with the full band. I do, too. I, I, I dig it. I dig it, too. Yesterday. Such an easy game to play. I need a place to hide away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. 
take that in a live setting over the the Sullivan version, which was just him and the canned strings. Was it canned strings? I, I don't think know. It was canned strings. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. To me, it's 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 hypnotic. It's sad. It's hopeful, and that's all conveyed in that guitar line again with that uh, picking style that Donovan taught the Beatles, and that John was the most successful at. I think Paul conceded, like, yeah, we all tried learning that. John did it the best. I do it my way. So I sing the song of love, Julia. Yes, the lyrics are for his mother and Yoko. John Winston Ono Lennon Pence. <laughs> Even hearing those words together. Serving the American people in this office has been a journey I never expected. It's a journey that would not have been possible without the support of my family, beginning with my wonderful wife, mother. Thank you, Mom. I love you. Yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. John's relationship with his mother is very complex and painful. It helped shape his wit and his guarded manner and his pointier side that could that could hurt you back if you even tried to hurt him. He could hurt you back with words. We saw that with him and Paul shortly after this album came out, within two, three years of this. How did you sleep, you cunt? So, I mean, this, I think it's one of John's best songs uh, ever, I think it's one of the best songs on the um, on the album, certainly. And the major seven to end it out of nowhere to yeah. end, especially the album when it goes to the run out groove aside too. Calls me, so I sing a song of love for you. Quick, quick old man alert. This going uh, digitally right into birthday drives me cuckoo crazy. Yeah. You need more than two seconds of space between this song and birthday. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I agree with you of uh, happiness is a warm gun. The, the drum beat going right into Martha, my dear. I want a little more time there. I yeah, want a little more separation. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's meant, the, the separation is just as important as the banding of, of an album. I agree. And, but yeah, there's something about this ending the side. You've been on this incredible journey and it ends, whether you know the story about John's mom or the story of John's then burgeoning love, new love for Yoko. I'm sure a lot of these people did not buy, uh, two virgins. <laughs> Most of these people did, did not purchase that. I did not either. <laughs> um, we get a healthy dose of it though, coming up on side four, um, it's a beautiful, emotional way to end album one with John singing this very pure song that, to your point, would have fit perfectly in Plastic Ono Band. And uh, yeah, and before you know it, Side One's over. And for most artists, this is its own album, right? This I was going to be... say, if they just put this out, this would be just as successful as an album. I don't think I ever even... Th- considered that you know even though we did a whole episode on our one album white albums i never even considered like what if they just put out sides one and two and that was it it's still a really great it's a really great record 
Oh, speaking of that, we should do two album Beatles 65 this year. <laughs> Put that on the episode list. <laughs> Double album Beatles 65. I like that. I like that. Each side can only have 14 minutes on it. That's the, the deal. <laughs> Well, not only do you flip the record, but you put it back in its sleeve and you get out another record because this is a this is a four sider, my friend. And side three is coming up. <laughs> Crack open that beer. Shake him out. What a hug. Get a load of him. Well, there's a super party and a party His name is Buds McKenzie. With a beach in sight and a cold bud light. Side three of the White Album, self-titled The Beatles, 1968. Oh, my God. We have more to go. This whole album clocks in at around 93 minutes. It's the longest Beatle album investment. It's a long, long journey. And I don't, you know... (laughs) Unintentional, but in case the episode split up. (laughs) It's always that one song, too. Yeah, that's... I'm going to... I'll switch it up. It's never... uh, uh, (laughs) Stone in love or whatever. <laughs> the first three minutes of the song are, I don't give a shit about, but the ending of the song, that's where it's at. Dude, for the first 15 years I played improv piano, this would pull a laugh. From 97 until like, oh, six, maybe like a decade, this would get a laugh. <laughs> yeah. No matter what, if something tender is going on. Dude, I, I thought he was in a band. I didn't know this was going to be like an improv show. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> We are starting side three with some energy. It's the most energetic side on this album. I love side three. Second favorite side. Birthday. Well, according to the lyrics book, the riff and birthday was adapted from Little Richard's Lucille. Similar to how Roy Orbison remixed it himself in Pretty Woman. Yeah, the da 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 Beatles just kind of changed it. The, they just changed the, uh, the arrangement of it. Yeah, man. I, ne- I never quite got that, but now now I get it. It's cool. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> Do people love or hate birthday? It's a bit in the oobla-dee-oobla-da camp where I think there's a faction of Beatle fans who hate this song. I don't hate birthday. Where are you with birthday? <laughs> <laughs> get that white light out of my eyes with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say I have come around to this song. I, uh, 
I used to not like it as much, especially when I was a teenager or whatever. It felt I, honestly, dude, it reminded me of the damn showbiz pizza band because that was the song they used to do. You know, that's probably the first version I actually heard of it because they didn't they weren't playing this on the radio that my folks listened to. So I heard like the wimpy, you know, robot animals version of this song first. I'd like to dedicate this special show to our birthday guest. But <laughs> like if you take away like I think a lot of it has to do with the silly lyrics. I like it's to me like the sound on this song rules. It's the drums are great, the guitars are are hot, they're searing. The energy on this song I love. So I think it was all about like the oh let's do a birthday song. Like to me that wasn't that cool. But I love this song. I've come around to it. I love the way the piano's mixed. I love that that it's a very, it's very aggressive. I like that the song is a is a rock song. Yeah, unapologetically rock. I mean, it's not their smartest composition, but it's a great album opener. It almost is like it's the White Album's version of Drive My Car. It's just a fun mm. kick off the album with a song that sticks in your head. It's a rock song, another Paul song, Drive yeah. My Car. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a great album opener. Paul's added this to his set list. It's, this was a single. He released a live version of this in 1990 as a 45. With his that's always that's a weird <laughs> thing we should talk about. Maybe when we do another follow up on the 45 set is like the 45 of live long and winding road. <laughs> Did anybody in 1990 <laughs> ask for this as like a <laughs> topping the charts right now after Paula Abdul? It's the live long and winding road with Hamish Stewart doing harmonies. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, birthday is a great tune. It's a great opener. Yeah. I love that. They had an early recording session that ran home to go see the girl can't help it. You'll rock and roll yourself to the happiest time of your life with a sensational an array of stars as the screen has ever assembled to delight you. That seven-year itch fellow, Tom Yule. Seven million times itchier than before. Oh, I've been in men's bedrooms before. And man, oh man, oh Mansfield. Jane Mansfield, that is. Yeah, 1956. It's a rock and roll film. It was like an inspiration to them when they were just teenagers. This is in a... You know, this is before VCRs. This is before you could just like, oh, I want to watch something right now. And I have the choice. It's like, no, they weren't playing it in the theaters anymore. They're playing it on TV. This is the only time they've seen it probably since whenever, you know, maybe a decade. Yeah. And they're jazzed. Yeah. So they they go over to Paul's house and they watch The Girl Can't Help It. It's uh, Jane Mansfield, of course. But Everyone figures me for a sex part. No one thinks I'm equipped for motherhood. Little Richard, Fats Domino, Gene Vincent, Eddie Cochran, The Platters, TJ, and your favorite group, The Chuckles. And she's my marshmallow mama. Oh, what a mama. With a jelly roll heart. Jelly roll heart. Well, she's a sweet to tease her. The Chuckles, though, I love that. 
Yeah, so then they all watched it at Paul's house. Yeah, they laid down the instrumental, I believe. Then they watched The Girl Can't Help It and came back and did the vocals. Um, and that's why there's that party atmosphere. Uh, who's all there? I want to say, well, you can hear Ringo, that's for sure. <laughs> Yoko meant, and Patty. Say, I meant Yoko. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> Very easy to tell them apart because neither of them's American. Yoko and Patty are there and you can definitely hear it. Like I used to always point it out in that drum break uh, when it's just drums and you can hear Yoko just screaming and going like, ah, ah. isn't that Paul? I think I only hear Yoko on the, party, on that part. Isn't the screaming in the background, Paul? I don't know. We'll have to give it a, let's, let's give it a listen with, with more ears. What do you guys think? Is it, is it Paul or Yoko? I hear Yoko. Yoko drum thing is so uh, the Yoko drum thing. Oh my god, we're cursed. <laughs> the Ringo drum, that drum fill you're talking about. Ringo's having a hard time keeping the that tempo going. It's great, it's very Ringo, but like if you metronomed that, Ringo would be very quickly behind the beat. Is that, that right? Is, yeah, I mean, I've never noticed that. Listen to it and clap it out. It's he's just dragging that tempo, and it's Ringo in the pocket. But while it's not the drum solo in Abbey Road, it's a rare moment where it's sparse Ringo drumming. Yeah, right, right. Isolated Ringo. Yeah, man. Poor isolated Ringo. Happened after COVID. <laughs> 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 Thanks a lot, guy from Toto. Thanks, Lucather. <laughs> Yeah, man, they're gonna take my tonsils out again, and then they're gonna. You know what they should have done? Those guys should have just gotten Jimmy Nickel. <laughs> <laughs> they totally Jimmy Nickel the All Star man. Three D. This isn't going anywhere, Jimmy. That was a truly dimensional 3D part three, if I ever heard one. Just like the White Album couldn't be contained to three sides, despite George Martin's best efforts, this episode clearly could not be contained to only three parts. But really quick before we wrap, hi, it's producer Casey again. Just a reminder that if you dig the show, there's a few ways you could help us out. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. And if you're the type of person who likes to rep your favorite indie podcast, we've now got t-shirts and stickers and various other merch available for sale on our website. And if you've got a couple bucks to spare, we're now on Patreon, where subscribers can get access to our exclusive Discord server. Speaking of Patreon, members who subscribe at the Star Club level get a periodic shout out on the show. And this week, we'd like to welcome and thank our newest Star Club member, Skylar, AKA the girl with kaleidoscope eyes, Lucy in the Skylar with diamonds. Thank you, Skylar. We're so grateful to have your support. You can find links to all of these things on our website, untitledbeatlespodcast.com. Thank you so much for sticking around. We'll be back next week for the thrilling conclusion of our white album deep dish. And I don't want to make any promises, but I've heard this one is in 4D. 
Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe.